not going down just because of something some stupid adults are doing. Mobile suits. Monday, Monday. Camille's a man's name, and I'm a man! Uh, no carrots, please. Mobile suit? Roger that. Mobile suit. Mobile suit. Change. Although all enemies were defeated, Earth did not change one bit! The commander! <laughs> He's lost it! <laughs> every other day, every other day, every other day of the week is fine! You're a soldier here, aren't you? If you want to be more than just a grunt, you better learn to see the whole picture. Uh, yes, yes, sir. I'm the enemy, you idiot! Miss Matilda! Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting episode of Fanholes Mobile Suit Mondays. We're back again discussing everyone's favorite new Gundam series, Gundam Build Fighters. This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be your host tonight, and I'm joined by two of my fellow Fanholes. Why don't you give a shout out, guys? Hey, it's Mike Thunderwing. Hey, this is Tony, uh, Chainclaw. I'm going to take over your hotel and make you fight me for no reason. Cool. Very cool. Tonight we are going to be discussing Episode 7 of Build Fighters, which is titled World Level Ability. Basically, it opens up on Psy and Reiji and their final opponent for their round, which is the Gundam Double X. It's this kind of cool-looking Double X Gundam where it looks like uh, it's all gold-tinted and everything like that. And it has all these remote-controlled mechs, and the Build Gundam Mach 2 actually ends up making quite short work of all of them. It's kind of like instead of using funnels, it's like they just have extra troops, I guess. Yeah, like the, drones, yeah. Drones that they're controlling and everything. And so Reiji has this really cool quote where he's just about to pwn the guy, and he says, let me tell you something. Fighting is about quality, not quantity. And then he pones the guy. So that was pretty cool. And then it cuts back to the girl with the white hair from the last episode who was predicting that it was a foregone conclusion that Sai and Reiji in the build Mach 2 were going to win that match. And, of course, the people in the car with her are like, oh, you are very perceptive, you know, and they're all kind of shocked and everything. But obviously this girl with the white hair knows what's up. Then we move on to Psy, and he's giddy as a pig in shit about the trophy. He's all happy looking and everything like that. Looks like a nice little trophy. And then it kind of looks like Mr. Rawl is taking Psy, Reiji, Kosaka, and Miss Rinko Lori on some kind of road trip. And we don't know exactly where they're headed, but I guess they won something from the tournament. And then in the car, we see that... Miss Lori is basically devilishly encouraging China Chan to hit on her son. Like she's got these kind of like crazy, <laughs> crazed mother eyes of, of 
love and passion or, or whatever you want to call it, but it's like, this is your chance, like, time to make the moves on my son, or whatever. Flirtatious mode engaged. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, of course, she's kind of all embarrassed by that and everything. But when they finally get to the beach, it, it's kind of like they're on some kind of spring break trip, and Reiji's, like, leaping into the beach water, and then he's kind of commenting, he's like, what's all with all this salty water and stuff? And... Basically, Sai's asking Mr. Rawl, he's like, is there an ocean out there that isn't salty? And then Mr. Rawl actually kind of puts the kibosh on anything that you or I might think. Like, of course, all the oceans are salty. But he actually says, hmm, maybe on some of the colonies, since it's not natural, the oceans wouldn't be salty on a colony. And I, I feel like this is the – am I mistaken? Is this not the first time that – in this sort of fictional Gundam environment that anybody's mentioned a colony at all? I think uh, so. I, like, I wasn't aware because I was just looking at Sai's mom's titties. So. <laughs> right, right. I, well, I think we I think we all were, but we I, haven't gotten quite that far yet. I think Mr. Roll wasn't, like, being literal. Like, he was just being, like, his usual, like, Gundam, like, self oh, or okay. whatever. Yeah, okay, so <laughs> it'd, be like, it'd be like if one of us was just like, yes, and Spider-Man's webbing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I, it's not like it's not like it actually exists. Maybe yeah, I thought maybe yeah. I thought maybe it was actually a hint that maybe he was maybe Reiji was actually from a colony outside of Earth. But but I, I don't know if there's any evidence that there is any space travel in in this universe, technically, yeah, it's I, that it's not just all fantasy and gameplay. I, th- I think it was like a geek thing. Like if he says somebody like, "Oh, there's only like you know single blade lightsabers," and somebody be like, "Oh, well, actually, there's double blade lightsabers." Yeah, it, they weren't talking reality, but like you know, they know the the fiction so well. They're like you know, they're like, "I'm going to tell you a story about the fiction." Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what I took it as. Yeah, basically. Awesome. Okay. So so then we basically cut to. What is uh, giving me Master Roshi nosebleeds and Jiraiya the Toad Sage blushy cheeks? Because we cut to Rinko Lori and Kusaka slash China, and they're in their bathing suit attire. And basically, like Master Roshi, I am squirting blood out of my nostrils as I'm seeing it. Just imagine getting to wish for anything your heart desired. <laughs> I would ask for ultimate strength. What would you wish, Roshi? Yeah, let's see. What could old Roshi ask for? A new shell? Or perhaps a bigger island? Or maybe happiness and world peace? A piece of something, that's for sure. <laughs> I guess I- it, it, That was pretty awesome. There's a really funny sequence because of that. There's there's much humor that comes because of that because they, <laughs> yeah, they make fun of someone not having as as good an attribute. <laughs> well, it, it's like it, you know, I, I I think I think his mom sets herself up or or uh, the poor girl up anyway because she she's continuing to try and play matchmaker. So she's saying like, well, Sai, what what do you think of her swimsuit? And, and you know, Sai is kind of saying, oh, well, he's embarrassed because he doesn't want to, you know, he's say like, kid. oh, I, I love her and she's really nice and cute. It's like he, he can't say that out loud. So instead he's like, well, the, the swimsuit looks very nice. The material is well detailed. And then, of course, his mom is, is not feeling the romance, romance vibes in, in that statement. And she's like, she's not a gunpla. Like, you got to you got to say nicer things than that, you know. And Mr. Rawl, of course, is like, oh, you look beautiful, Miss Rinko because you know your your you know boobs are ginormous basically like then uh, it's basically like who let the dogs out oof, oof, you know? 
Miss Rico Lori is persisting, and she basically moves on to Reiji and is like, well, what do you think of uh, Kosaka's swimsuit? And, of course, he takes a long time, and he's looking back and forth between their chests, and, of course, he has no decorum whatsoever, and basically he gives them a thumbs up, and he's like, China, don't worry about it. Like, you'll grow into him sooner or later. And, of course, uh, Mr. Rawl and... Psy are just like aghast and kind of like, like you horrified, have... yeah, yeah. It's like it's like you have stepped right into the minefield, and then and then it's kind of interesting. It's almost like a Fox Kids version of violence because you can see that China is reaching out to slap him, and then of course you see the waves crash against the rocks at the beach, and the next thing you know, there is a time skip, and we see that there's a big red hand slap on. Reiji's face and him and Sai are just discussing, you know, Gundam stuff and, and you know, it, it, there seems like there's a lot of odd fan service. It's like, obviously, well, you've got, but, you know, Rinko, you uh, you know, it wasn't like very overt fan service. There wasn't like, you know, like nipples and panties and stuff. It just like, she has big tits and like the other. No, no, no. I mean, you know, it, it was very subtle. I, I like that. that it, it was more cute. It was more playful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, well. I, I, I mean, I guess for me, I'm like, I'm of the age where the mom is hot. I wasn't looking at the little girl as being hot, oh, yeah, but here, yeah. they're both in swimwear attire, so there's that oddness to me in that sense. But then also, it's funny to me that there's also weird, odd fan service in the sense that Mr. Rawl is buried in a sand sculpture <laughs> of his Zaku. You know, like so. Yeah, it's like it's like oh, cool. well, check out yeah. this. Yeah, his goof, you know, his his one-year war, you know, mobile suit. But then he's, like, instead of getting raised, he's, like, buried in his, his goof. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, another, yeah, yeah, another reference to Rambo Rowell, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, and, and basically now, you know, the plot is progressing. Turns out they won a vacation. That was part of the package of them winning the tournament. So they're headed to this vacation inn, and interestingly enough, they find Mao Yosaka, who was the rival to Sai in the, I think it was like episode five, where, yeah, they, you know, know, basically they're both, you know, the, the the world's greatest builders of gunpla models, and they declared each other rivals. And so now he is at the hotel, and they're kind of like, you're the host? You know, like, and, and basically what it turns out is the real hostess is this girl named Misaki, who Mao clearly has the hots for. Like, oh, yeah. He's totally in love with her, and he's basically helping her clean up at the inn and attend the other guests rather than trying to just be a, a guest himself because that's what he actually is. He's yeah. just another guest. Yeah, just like, they're all there you know. because there's like a prize to be won with all the guests right. there. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, and and so the, the you know the plot moves forward, and and we are now at the point where you know uh, Tony had mentioned in his introduction basically you've got misaki's mother hurriedly coming back and telling her daughter you got to get all the guests out of here and there's this kind of wildly out of control i don't know what it is like one of those volkswagen vans or something like that <laughs> and it basically just crashes into the front lobby uh reiji is nearly killed but since it's anime he just kind of leaps out of the way and it's like what's up with that you know and so we pan up and then we see the driver of the car, and he appears to be the spitting image of Dozel Zabi of the Principality of Zia. Who would have and thought? Then, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and we cut to commercial break. You don't get it! How can a single mobile suit 
couldn't defeat the Vixar. You won't get me. I won't let a punk like you beat me. For the glory of Zeon, for my own pride, you will not defeat me. You will not defeat me. Who is this guy? Whoa, it's, you know, I was going to ask Mike, like, there's that funny, I don't know if it's a meme or a gif or, you know, some kind of internet thing, but I, I like that one thing you posted where basically the theory is that this show, Build Fighters, is like the afterlife for all the poor bastards who got killed in regular <laughs> Gundam shows, yeah. and that would definitely, that would definitely, uh, here's an instance where we're seeing it in the show, you know, up front, we're, we're seeing somebody who looks just like, you know, Dozel Zabi. So I was just curious if you had anything else to say about that. Yeah, that. This trope shows up a lot more in the series where there's people who look exactly like established characters in Gundam. And yeah, it, yeah, it's like always Ram- like Rambo Rao. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, actually, I actually was thinking about this. I was like, I was thinking maybe because Gundam is so ingrained in this society now. It is such a thing. It's kind of like cosplay. There's like people who are like, I so love this character. They just want to look like them, you know? Maybe, you know, like that's an idea too. Well, if, if a bunch like, of these people are getting like plastic surgery to look like them. I, yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. It's like, it's one thing to like put on a wig and be like, I'm Princess Leia. It's another thing to be like, I look exactly like this motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, I guess if you're getting plastic surgery to look like Carrie Fisher, that's something completely yeah. and totally other. Yeah, it, it, it's mainly just a callback. It's, it's really fun. It's a, it's a good callback. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a fun thing. And what what it actually turns out is that the man's name is Tatsuo, and he basically is strong arming these innkeepers for the rights to the inn. And then Mr. Rawl comes out, and of course he knows the man, and they apparently, uh, I would say they served together, but they didn't really serve together. They they basically attended the same world tournament together, and so he refers to him as, you know, Lieutenant, and then Mr. Rawl refers to him as Blazing Tatsu. And, and that was, Garrett, are you that, saying Tatsu is like a champion of Gumpla? No way! <laughs> Right, right. Of course, like you would never have seen that coming in a million years. And and of course, you know, tying into the whole aspect of fan service that doesn't have anything to do with, you know, crotches and chests, you know, it, it would make a lot of sense because you've got two guys who were formally, you know, I mean, if you're looking at their physical appearance, you know, Mr. Rawl, obviously, you know, Ronba Rawl would have known Dozel Zabi. So it kind of makes sense that Tatsu and Mr. Rawl. Yeah, they were they, yeah, they're both Zeon, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so and and then and then this is the other thing that I think is kind of funny, and I, I was wondering if you guys wanted to discuss this for a little bit, but you know, basically in moving the plot forward, instead of actually fighting, which you would think would happen if a bunch of street thugs tried to hold up an inn that you were staying at, you know, basically Ragey looks like he's all ready to throw down with this big, huge kind of thug type character and his his goons, but instead. They basically come up with the idea, well, we're going to settle the rights with gunpla battle. <laughs> we happen to have a plasty particle projector in the back room. <laughs> be like, it wouldn't, wouldn't that be awesome? It's like, I, I hate you. It's like, I hate you too. It's like, all right, we're going to settle this 
with action figures. It's like, Derek, fight. Derek, you stole my girlfriend. I hit you and I'll beat your ass. Let's go fight with models. Okay, I'm going to get my, my gun for I'm, models. I'm, I'm, I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but that actually happens like a few episodes from now. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So, so basically, they're they're you know turning to gunpla battle as an alternative to physical violence, basically, and and even the hotel owners, basically the daughter Misaki, like she agrees to this because you know Mao kind of turns around and is being reassuring. Well, to well her, there is know. a wager. If they if they win, they get to keep the hotel. So yeah. Right, right. The, the wager is if, if if our heroes win, then the thugs are going to leave the hotel alone. But, you know, on the other hand, you, you've got Blazing Tatsu. So he's saying, but if he wins, then he gets the rights to the inn for free. Yeah. You know, the mom's like, Ooh! but, you know, of course, the daughter's like, it's cool. You know, like Mao knows what he's doing and, and this is going to be OK. You know, so to, to me, it's kind of like it's like, do you do you really think all the ills of the world can be solved? Gunpla is serious business it is it is it's Soros. Soros. yeah so so basically this leads into a really awesome fight between blazing tatsu and he basically says i'm gonna take on all three of you little shits because yeah, yeah. he's so confident you know he's like yeah i'll take you all on motherfuckers and so it's mao sai and reiji and and it's the uh um, Absarch. Yeah, I actually wrote it down. I actually did some notes. Yeah, yeah. Which, which is basically like a, a big Zom type mobile suit. That shows up. Yeah, it's got like mega, mega firepower, and it's fighting against the Build Mach 2 and, and the Mouse X. So, the, the you know, basically, it, it's not really three against one. It's, it's more like two against one. But, you know, yeah, it's, it's all three of the kids against Blazing Tatsu. And in, in the middle of this fight, I mean, it, it's awesome. You guys should, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it, you should watch the fight yeah, for yourself. Yeah, it's, it's in the middle of the city. Like, There's, like, hey, shit burning. It's really cool, yeah. yeah. I mean, anything that I do to describe it is not going to do it justice. It, it's paced very well. The rising action is really good. And, you know, basically, like, they've got the eye, they can't be breached, and all these mechs are trapped, and then, you know, my favorite trope, you know, Mal, he gets his altitude power! You know, he's like, he they use a different model, he doesn't use the uh, perfect package. Yeah, and so he, he busts them out, and then and then even Mal gets his, his Kamina from Gurren Lagan moment, where he's like, who the hell do you think I am? You know, he goes through the whole... He lists all his credentials and says what school he's from, and then all of a sudden, you know, Blazing Tatsu's like, wait, you're who's apprentice? You're who's yeah, pupil? Yeah, he, you know? yeah he has a like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then, of course, I guess much to the chagrin of Universal Century fans, the Gundam X Moon Cannon totally trumps the big Zom beam and owns him. And then, of course, there's this gigantic, like, weak point where it's like, all right, you know, basically he's passing the baton up to the main character. So it's like, you know, Cyclops like screws up like, you know, Magneto's, you know, magnetic force shield. And then he's like, all right, Wolverine, it's your turn to stab him, bro. You know, <laughs> and then they have to go in for the like final kill and everything. And so then the build Mach two like owns the weak point, blows up the hell out of it. But I mean, I, I thought it was a very, very excellent fight. I mean, I really enjoyed it a lot. But what, what did you guys think? I, I think it was really cool that Mao got like a moment to shine. I thought that was really cool. It was like in the previous one, it was like very much a stalemate, and on this one, he was like, "This is why you should be scared of me." 
This is yeah. why you should like fucking fear my ass. This is what I can do. But at the same time, you know, say, you know, he still got the he got the big win. He got the last strike. But at the same time it was like, you know, when you look at Mal, you're like, Oh, he's he's not just a fucking little twerp in a fucking hat. He's he's got some skill, you know. Oh yeah, man. He he busted out your standard Dan Jurgens round two power. I mean, it was like they were they were on the ropes, you know. They were they were about to be pwned, and then he just said, "Nope, I don't think so," you know. And 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 he pulled some aces out of his sleeve, where you know, basically, you know, Blazing Tatsu's like, "Well, there's no fucking moon here. How can you possibly own me?" And he's like, "I don't fucking need the moon, motherfucker," you know. And, and <laughs> I like them anyway. I like how they used the opening battle in this episode to, like, remind people, like, oh, the ex-Gundams need to use the moon to use that satellite cannon. Yeah, because yeah. Because he fought yeah. the double X in that initial fight. Right. But, right. Yeah, no, I, I, I liked it. Enough, that's that's why that first fighter did get pwned, because he was sitting there taking, like, 20 minutes to fucking charge up in the <laughs> middle of drone attack, you know? Yeah. I, I did like this fight, and I remember, like, at first seeing this episode, I was excited, because, like, initially it seemed like all the fights would be, like, kind of one-on-ones and stuff, but I was like, oh, cool, so they can, like, actually team up and, like, fight a boss, like, sometimes. Or <laughs> yeah, it was a boss battle, it really was. And, yeah, yeah and it, 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 it they do, like, reuse this trope, like, a little bit more, like, in the series, so, like, I this was the first time, though, and I was, like, happy, I was like, oh, good. So, like, these guys, like, can actually, like, team up at some points and stuff, because, you know, you they introduce all these rivals for them, so you kind of hope, like, at some point they could do, like, some kind of tag team or something. Yeah, and in, in some ways, I mean, this this combines a lot of different elements. I mean, it's not just, like, a round two trope. It's also, in, in a way, a rival fusion trope because, basically, Mao is technically a, a rival of size, and, and he's also kind of goading uh, Reiji on as well. He's like, I, I want to fight you, it, too. It, it's very, it's very Dragon Ball Z, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they, and they you know, obviously they're making a stand together to stand up to you know Blazing Tatsu and everything. And and I also found it interesting, like towards the end, you know, Mister Rawl has a final conversation with Tatsu where he, he's basically saying, "Come on, dude, like practice makes perfect. Like you you got rusty, basically is is what he's trying to say to him because yeah. he's like all these young kids they've been they've been doing the the doing the do <laughs> every day you know basically and and you know you you kind of let your skill get rusty and that's you know just because you were the baddest thing you know 10 years ago you know just because you were really good at you know <laughs> masters of terracotta doesn't mean <laughs> your ass like, you know when, when you're playing marvel versus capcom 3 or whatever you know like that kind of thing so i mean basically it's 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 a happy ending you know they get to keep their hotel you know mao is uh you know giddy and you know kind of in love or whatever and he's seeing off misaki and then you know I guess then it cuts to like this funny kind of part to me where, you know, Sai, even though he just made the build Mach 2, he he basically has a new motivation and a new edict where he's like, well, I need to build even bigger and better. Yeah, he wants to make his Gundam better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so, I mean, they kind of had that a couple episodes ago where he transitioned from the full package to the build Mach 2, but I, I think that's something that, is probably in, inherent in in the theme of the series. You know, you don't stop improving. You know, you're always yeah. working 
making yourself better. And, and I guess that's kind of reflected in them. You know, I mean, obviously they want to sell tons of models too. I mean, I'm not naive to the monetary concerns of, of Bandai, but I mean, in terms of the theme of the show, you know, it, it's just basically, I, I, you're, I'm you're pretty sure to... Mike will like verify this, but I'm pretty sure the bill Mach two is kind of like the, uh, death Scythe or, you know, the, the Gundam leopard of other things where they're like, you know, Oh, they're, they're, they're important for an episode or two, but he's going to have one he's going to stick with, and that's going to be your Gundam Wing or your RX-78. You know, that's going to be his model, you know? Yeah, well, Mar- the Mark II is basically, you know, his backup, and just in case, like, they, they pretty much maintain that the the build strike is his main, but, like, yeah, the Mark II shows up a bunch of times in the series, and it's always, yeah, it's his B, it's his B suit, but it's still pretty, <laughs> like, important, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I, I will put on my Spider-Man alien costume for occasional <laughs> yeah. fights, but yep. I will always return to the red and blue, the tried and true when, when we have to. So yeah. I, I will say this, this does get the Simpsons in the, uh, like 93, 94 season stamp of approval for instant plot twist. It was like, I, I thought it was going to be a clip show. I thought it was going to be like, Oh, we're going to reflect on the No, 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 no. We're going to fight. Oh, I was like, Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> Oh, you you thought they were gonna like sit at the hotel and go like, hmm, remember back yeah, when you got yeah, stuck yeah. in that freezer, you know? Like, <laughs> Let's that, go you know what I'm five or six episodes, yeah, yeah. What what I'm wondering is like now that Tatsu like failed to like buy the thing, like he must have some higher ups or something. Like, so I wonder if he's gonna go back to them and be like, you know, bosses, like I failed, like they're not gonna sell the in, like we we lost fair and square, and those bosses <laughs> are going to be like, oh, that's very disappointing, Tatsu, like. You know what this means. You're no longer any use to us. And you, we will decide what will happen to you with a Gungla battle. <laughs> Instead of just like just just... shooting him in the head and leaving him in a shallow grave. <laughs> yeah. like, we can like kill you in the alley or we can do it with a Gungla battle. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, somebody else who's higher up than Dozel Zabi's you know, face comes in, like maybe his bosses or, you know, uh, Cecilia or whoever, you know, shows up and she's the head of the family or something like that. Yeah. I I will say this though. This was a, this was a really good character building episode because despite the fact there was a big battle at the end, which was, like you said, they're really fucking awesome. You guys had to watch it. We, we got like a lot more into like, you know, Psy and like, you know, China, you know, it was like, yeah, their their relationship is continuing to grow. I mean, they're both – she's kind of working on her own models, and she kind of relays that to, to Psy. So, yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah, yeah, and even even with Mr. Rawl and uh, Tiss McGee. That's just her name now. Her name is just Tiss McGee. Miss so. <laughs> Rinko-Lori. Yeah, Miss Rinko-Lori. Well, no, because he obviously does like her. He has, like, a little bit of a thing for her, so, you yeah. know. But, I mean, she is married, so, I mean, he can't like her too much, or, or he's going to be heartbroken pretty soon. Yeah, I know, I know. But, you know, you, you can't feel, you can't no, I, I, I don't blame for the guy, because he's, he's a nice guy. Checking her out, she I'm can't, just saying. Yeah, and, and she can't blame her husband for leaving to promote Gumpla Battle, which is the most important thing in the world, apparently. Clearly, so. clearly it is in this universe. So. Yeah, my, my friend called me yesterday, he was like, I have cancer, I am probably going to lose, like, all my limbs, but I have to do Gumpla Battle, like, dude, do the gumpel battle. And he's like, I will. I will I will get prosthetic limbs to do my gumpel battle. <laughs> so as per regular in, in all of these episodes, there is a slight after credit sequence where there's a new mobile suit revealed that belongs to a guy named Kawagachi. 
So was there any thoughts on that? Like, did that look cool? I, I don't even know if I recognized what that suit was based off of, like if it was based off of something from another Gundam show or well, not. I know. I was. I kept saying that Tony would be excited because that's the camphor from uh, yeah. Double, oh, yeah. Double O Eighty. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That, that, I, I don't that, know. Did you? Did you know? I don't know if you caught this the way you said it, Derek. But Kawagachi is Yuki. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, okay. Like so that's, that's basically like, yeah. that's his his like. Why do they call him that instead of... Uh, like, well, like, he left, like, and stuff to take the place of... Like, I get, they'll explain it more in later episodes, but, like, the Majin or whatever, like, from whatever school of Gumpla he studied at, like, they have, like, the Majin, which is, like, the Grand Master, like, the best fighter or whatever, and I guess, like, the previous Majin fell ill or something, so, like, Yuki was next in line, which is why he had to leave, like, a couple episodes ago and, like, take take the place of the Majin. So I guess, like, yeah, like, his official title now is, like, Majin, what, whatever you said, Kawaguchi or whatever. Oh, okay, Kawaguchi. Yeah, okay, so, yeah. But now he's he's got, like, the sunglasses, so he's got kind of, like, the Char mask or whatever, you know. Hey, I guess I guess this time it fooled me, because I just saw that after credit sequence, and I'm like, who's this guy? So... If it, it helps, I knew it was Camphor, but it's still saying, I was like, hey, it's the Bubba Fett Gundam. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was camp- that. Well, another hint was like it, he was like it's the camphor amazing, like like the yeah. Zaku amazing. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah so, got yeah. it, got it. Yeah, that, that cool. seems to be a, that seems to be a trip in the series. The the Zaku's are always amazing, <laughs> <laughs> or well, all of Yuki's suits yeah. have like the amazing t- subtitle in them or whatever. But yeah, they're they're always amazing, always good. It it it. it just for the uh, wrap up, I will say this was this was really a fun episode. I really enjoyed the last battle. That was fucking like yeah, again, like Derek said. I just can't get over how like good it was with the city burning and like them having to fight and you know the you know Gundam X like whole like moon satellite blah, 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 you know, super fusion power. Yeah, really good episode. Really really fun. Really good times. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that fight was wonderfully choreographed. Uh, you know, I don't know if that's owed to the way it was written or the way the animators set up the choreography, but the the rising action and the climax and everything. I mean, it was it was extremely well done. They kept track of everybody on the battlefield, and uh, you know, I I thought it was very you know you you got the catharsis and everything like you were into it with Mao. And I, you know, I always enjoy that kind of thing that the Kamina type thing where he's like, what the, who the fuck do you think I am? Asshole. Like, you know, so. just who the hell do you think I am? Is there anybody else got anything to say about this? No, well, the one last thing I like to say is, like, I love how, like, since, like, Say's, like, such a, like, big, like, Gumpla geek and, like, stuff, like, he, he, like, instantly identifies, like, all the suits in it, like, he's like, you know, that's the Opsilus from, like, Gundam 008. (laughs) You know, I mean, uh, Gundam uh, 08 MS team or whatever, and like it's kind of like he he has like a Pokedex or something. You know? Yeah, I had to write down yeah. an asterisk because I didn't know the fuck it was. It was like you know. Yes, it's funny. There's a there's a character in uh, because the you know the Ultraman series has a bunch of different franchises, but in one of the series there was Ultraman Mobius, and it was more of a, I guess you'd call it a throwback. You know, if if you know. 
Infinite Crisis or, you know, whatever DC Comics were kind of, you know, rekindling that passion for the Silver Age. You know, Ultraman Mobius was definitely rekindling that passion for, you know, what you might call like the Golden Age of Ultraman with all these old monsters and everything. And one of the the team members of of the crew, you know, that usually hangs out with Ultraman Mobius, he was this, this, you know, fat Japanese dude who was the, the, the basically Pokedex for all the Ultraman monsters. So I, I think there's always like that type of character, you know, and, and, you know, Psy is definitely that character that has all those things at his fingertips where he's like, oh, yes, of course, that's this suit or that suit. Just like the guy on the Ultraman team is like, oh, yes, this monster who landed in 1974 or whatever. And they're <laughs> like, how do you know this shit, fat dude? He's like, I know all the monsters. Thumbs up, you know, like kind of thing. So. Yeah, but yeah, th- th- this was a cool episode. Again, I can't emphasize enough. Check it out for yourself, if not for the uh, you know awesome, awesome mech battle that they have for the wonderful, wonderful memories of Miss Rinko Lori. You know, one or the other's got to grab you. So if you want to see a hot mom in a bathing suit, or if you want to see some really awesome mobile suit fighting, this is an episode you definitely need to check out. So I guess this wraps things up for tonight. This was Fanholes Mobile Suit Mondays. You can, of course, send us emails at fanholespodcast at gmail.com. We've got plenty of other sideshows and the podcast proper. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Blogspot, Google, all all those kinds of places. So <laughs> you know, send us send us some feedback if you like. If not, no big deal. We appreciate you listening to the show. So until the next time, this is going to be Derek Derek WC. I love Miss Rinko Laurie. Smite Thunderwing. This is Frank Jankal and Miss Rinko Laurie's hips don't lie. I'm starting to feel you, boy. She is hot. She is really fucking hot. She's totally hot. She is she is a MILF. High five. High five. <laughs> did you hear the high five? Yes, yes, yes I did. Okay, okay, good.